Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 12, verses 20 through 31. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 31. I'm going to talk to you today a message that's called, You've Gone As Far As You Can Go. You've Gone As Far As You Can Go. John chapter 12, verses 20 through 31. It says this, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. They said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus... Now, the the reason I I wanted to read that section, um, uh, some Greek people that want to see Jesus, they tell Philip. Philip doesn't directly go to Jesus. He goes to Andrew, and he needs some backup with him to even approach Jesus at this crucial time because we're coming to the time in Jesus' life where he's very close to having to go to the cross. So, like, just to kind of spring on Jesus, hey, there's some people that want to see you, don't want to interrupt you right now. They're, They're sort of like in this mode where they realize that this is a very serious time Uh, for Jesus. And Jesus takes what could be a very lighthearted thing and he flips it into something very deep and profound. This is how he responds in verse 23. Jesus says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Now, what is being glorified? In essence, being glorified is to change from one state to another, for the, the hand of God to be on you in such a way that you go from one form to another form to a glorified form where the presence of God is on you in such a great way. He says, Verily, very true I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I'm going to read that one more time. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, then it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. As I said, I'm going to talk to you today, a message entitled, You've Gone As Far As You Can Go. Father, thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for each person that's in this room. No one's here by accident. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue to invade every part of our lives, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our emotion, our will, everything that we have. Lord, we just give you access. Lord, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man will open the door. I'll come in and fellowship with him and he with me. If there's any part of our lives that have been closed off to you, we open that right now. Lord, as we know you want to come into our lives in every possible way. Don't let there be a secret chamber of our life or some part of our life that we hide from you. But Lord, fully expose every part of who we are so that we can have deep fellowship with you and understand the power of that fellowship and what it does, what that communion does to our lives, how it changes us, changes our heart and bends our heart and our will toward yours and toward heaven. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Has anyone here ever had a person in your life that saw a great quality in you that you did not necessarily see in yourself. Raise your hand if you've ever had someone that saw a quality in you, a good quality, that you did not necessarily see in yourself. I remember when I was 
uh, just in the fourth grade, I had this teacher that I loved so much. Her name was Miss Eddings. And we were just kind of uh, you know, learning to, to use sentences and do some basic writing in her class. And I remember one day she took one of my papers in class and she read it in front of everyone. And she said, Jeffrey Smith is going to be a great writer someday. And I was just a kid. I, didn't, I never wanted to be a writer. I never knew that I could be a writer. I never imagined anything like that. And she said, Jeffrey Smith is going to be a great writer. She said, he'll write books. He's going to write music. He's going to write. And, and she started saying all this stuff about me that I did not know that I wanted to do. I didn't even know it was possible that I could do it. But something about her saying it got me excited about writing and made me want to be a writer. It made me want to be a great because she thought that I could possibly be great. Has that ever happened to anyone here before? It's a good feeling. I know that when I got older and I was 15, uh, I came home from football practice one day and uh, I used to just crash and take a nap after school, and I remember laying there in my room, and my dad walked in with this enormous cardboard box. Uh, he, he's, he's like pulling it in the room like this. It's as tall as he is, and he sets it down, and I said, what is that? He said, he said son, this is a sequencer. He goes, it's a keyboard, and inside of it is a drum machine and a, a bass and and." And you can put sounds of piano and, and everything like that. And you program the sounds to make a song. He goes, now I want you to learn how to use this by Monday because you're the brand new youth pastor. And I want you to program three songs in there. And when the service comes on Monday, you're going to play your guitar and you're going to lead the music because you're also the band. I love you. And he left and walked out of the room. He shut the door. I mean, I'm sitting there going, what in the world is this thing? And I just got to tell you right now, the manual for this thing was this thick. I had, never, I had never used anything like that. I played a little piano here and there, but I'd never ever tried to use a professional piece of equipment. Can I just tell you something? There was no YouTube back then. You couldn't just Google something back then. You had to figure out how to do it. So I, I just, for some reason, thought he thinks I can do it. He thinks, he believes that I can do this. So I sat there and tried to figure out how to do it, and I was able to successfully program these songs now i mean i was singing like brian adams songs like they were all like pop songs and stuff but i'm singing leading worship and and started a youth group and i'm a youth pastor i didn't even know i wanted to be a youth pastor i didn't know i could be a youth pastor and i'm preaching and doing all these things i'm like wow i guess i can do this and my dad saw that in me and it's a great feeling when someone sees greatness in you that you don't even see in yourself and i believe that john Chapter 14, verse 12, that's not our text, but it is a scripture that supports our text in a huge way. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have done, and they'll do even greater things than I've done, because I am going to the Father. I think that is a huge statement. To me, it's one of the most difficult scriptures in the Bible to actually have faith in and to believe because of the nature of some of the great things that Jesus did. He's saying here that you're going to do greater things. Whoever believes in me will do the things I've done and even greater things than I've done. Now, I do believe that what he means is collectively because we now have the power of the Holy Spirit and there are so many of us and each of us are doing the things that Jesus has done and collectively it's greater than what he has done. But still, to even believe that we can do any of the things that Jesus did takes a lot of faith. It's extraordinary. It means that he sees greatness in us not that it is of ourselves, but what he sees is the power and the authority that he has given in us. And if we just have the faith to believe what he says, we're going to be able to do what he's done. So what he's saying is that there is greatness in us. Look at someone next to you and say, I see greatness in you. 
Now look at the other person. You gotta be humble. Say, I know I may not look like much. I'm gonna tell them, say, but I've got some greatness going on over here. What did Jesus do? He healed blind people. He healed deaf people. He raised dead people. He showed compassion to brokenhearted people. He preached the repentance of sin. He, he preached to lost people. He encouraged people. He loved people. He didn't turn his back on people. He was a friend of sinners. He said, we're going to do the things that he's done. So Jesus sees those things in you. Things that you may not even see in yourself. There's greatness for you. And if you're not living that life of greatness, the question is, what is holding you back? What is keeping you from living the life that God has called you to live? If you're not living in this greatness, well, I believe Jesus showed us some of the secrets to greatness. And I believe particularly in this scripture that we just read, he showed us a principle that can lead us to greatness. Now, once again, I'm not going to refer to our text scripture right now. I'll come back to that. I'm going to refer to another scripture in the Synoptic Gospels that is very similar to what Jesus said in our text scripture. Matthew 16, 25, he says, whoever wants to save their life. Now, before I read this, I just got to tell you real quick. In the kingdom of God, everything is upside down. Everything is different in the kingdom than it is in our world. To us in our world, if we want to be awesome, then we need to try to be awesome. If we want to be great, in our world, to us, then we try to be as great as we, possible, as we possibly can. But in the kingdom of God, it says whoever is going to be first is going to what? And whoever is going to be last is going to what? The top is the bottom. The bottom is the top. If you want to be at the top of the ladder, you got to go to the bottom of the ladder. If you want to be at the highest spot, you got to get on your face and get to the lowest spot. See, even the disciples were hanging out one day. Just to further emphasize this point on how everything is different in the kingdom. And the disciples, I don't know what kind of conversations they had. All I know is that the Bible says they were having a conversation about who was going to be the greatest in heaven. It doesn't seem like a very mature conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like Peter and John, they're just hanging out. And Peter's like, yeah, someday when we up in heaven, I'm going to be right next to Jesus on his right-hand side. And John's like, what do you mean you're going to be on his right? I'm going to be on his right-hand side. He's like, no, nah, you're going to be on my right-hand side, homie. I'm going to be on his right-hand side. And like... Jesus comes up in the middle of this conversation, and he has to be like, really? Are you guys really doing this right now? This is unbelievable. He's like, come here, young man. He, he speaks to this, this little child. He brings this little child over, and listen to what he says. He goes, first of all, y'all see this kid right here? Like the two men that I've chosen to like build everything around. You see this kid right here? Unless both of you become like a little child, you're not even going to be in the kingdom of God, much less be on my right or, or next to me, anywhere next to me. You've got to be like a child. In the kingdom, you have to humble yourself to be great. Almost everything that we know. For instance, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The concept of poor in spirit is counterintuitive to everything we think about in life. We want to have a rich spirit. We want to have a spirit that is wealthy and is strong. Uh, but poor in spirit means I'm weak in that I know that I'm broke without God. I have nothing. I can have all the material things in the world, but poor in spirit means I'm crushed, I'm broken, I'm nothing without the healing and the power that comes through the name of Jesus. That's what poor in spirit is all about. And did you know that you can actually be poor in your bank account, but not have a poor spirit? You can be very arrogant and be poor in the natural, and that's pretty sad that you've, you're poor in the things of life, but you're arrogant and entitled uh, in your spirit. That's sad. And then conversely, you can be 
rich in your bank account, but you can actually be poor in spirit. And that's a good thing. It's a very difficult thing, but it's possible to have money and to be poor in spirit. And some people that are poor naturally are also able to be poor in spirit. I think my parents were like that when we were growing up. They were evangelists. We lived in a, a little trailer that you pulled behind a car, and we would go from town to town 350 nights out of the year till I was five years old, preaching in churches, singing in churches. We had nothing. Uh, actually, we weren't poor. We were po. We couldn't afford the OR. Uh, and, and I think that that's clearly demonstrated in that when we were cold at nighttime, uh, we had no central heat, and my dad would plug in a hairdryer uh, while we were sleeping, and he would put the hairdryer like this over my family all night while we were asleep uh, to keep us warm. Uh, but what I love about my parents is that they may have been poor naturally, but they were poor in spirit. And when you're poor in spirit, you're rich. When you're poor in spirit, you're rich. You're rich in the things of God. We have to learn how to be poor in spirit. So what Jesus is teaching us here is this kingdom principle. It's backwards. If you ever want to be great, if you ever want to do great things for God, if you ever want to have the greatness that Jesus is talking about, that you, you have to get this idea. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever wants to save their life will what? Say it with me. Come on. Whoever wants to save their life will what? But whoever loses their life from me will what? Will find it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. So if you're desperately trying to hold on to everything that you want in life, everything you desire in life, you're unwilling to relinquish control to God, you're desperately trying to hold on to your life, then you're inevitably going to what? You're going to lose your life. But whoever is willing to lose their life, to lose their preferences, to lose their desires, to lose all the things that seem so appealing to them, they're going to end up finding life in God. And can I tell you something? It's not something that you do one time. It's something you got to do regularly. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he said, I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen to what he said. Read these three words with me. I die daily. Zero amens there. It's understandable. It's not like something you're going to holler at right there. But, but I die daily. What Paul is saying is this whole thing about losing my life, this whole thing about laying down my life in order to find a greater life in Christ, it's something that I have to do every single day. I have to lay down my preferences. The old Jeff has to die, what, once a week on Sunday? How about, how about you know, one time a year in a great Easter service? No, what's, what's the truth? The, the old me's got to go every single day. I have to die daily. That's what Paul is saying. The secret to greatness is laying down your life. How often? Every single day. Now we get to our text. And I love this text. It's so beautiful. Jesus gave us a principle here that we should never forget. And he says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and what? And dies. It remains only a single seed. 
But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Can I take the mystery out of this for you? You are the kernel of wheat. You are the kernel of wheat. It says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That doesn't mean that you're sitting there going, man, I hate my job. I actually hate my wife. I'm doing exactly what Jesus wants me to do. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. Hate it. <laughs> Someone was like, yes, this is working. <laughs> no, no. When the Bible talks about, you know, there, there's, there's also another scripture in the Bible that says, if you don't, you have to hate your mother, you have to hate your father, uh, if you're going to love me. Uh, that, that, that does not mean what you think it means. What it actually means is that we all love our parents. We all love our friends and our family and our kids. What it's saying is that the love we have for God in contrast to the love that we have for our family and our friends and our life, it, the contrast has to be so great that the love that we have for our life and our family and our friends has to appear as hate compared to how much we love God. Does that make sense? So what he's saying here is anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So, so in essence, what it's saying is that here in this life, we cannot try to hold on to this life or we're going to lose it. But if we're willing to give our lives away, we're going to find eternal life. He says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant will also be. Guys, we've been trying so desperately to find greatness in our lives by holding on to everything we can. And what I mean is that we try to hold on to the way we want things to be. We try to hold on to our system of morality we try to hold on to ideologies that we've created or worldviews that we've created that are different than what the Bible says. We like to cherry pick. We like to customize. I saw an ad the other day of a, of a, a device that you can create your own TV device. You can choose whatever stations go in there. What happens is that stations you're not interested in, you don't have to put that on your device. The only channels that pop up are the channels that you like. We try to do that with Jesus. We try to do that with the world, and what we're doing is we're customizing what is comfortable to us, the kind of life, well, I, I don't like the fact that the Bible has this to say, so I'll just ignore that. I'll just focus on Jesus. Well, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It's only when you continually follow him that you're able to understand what the word means, and you understand truth, then the truth will make you free. See, but we can't customize. And we've been so desperately trying to find greatness in our lives by holding on to everything we can of our world. We're unwilling to let go of our loneliness. So we just get in relationships that are horrible because we're afraid of being alone. Uh, we, we date people that are not Christians, that don't even have the same worldview as us. Why? Because we're, we're too impatient to wait on God to move in our lives. Uh, we take a job that we are not even passionate about. Why? Because it, it gives us the kind of money we're looking for. So we end up in a job that we're not even happy with, we're not even called to, because we're so willing to do anything to make the kind of money that we're going to make that we compromise our own values, we compromise our own passions just to do what we want to do at any given moment. And we're trying so hard to find greatness by holding on to everything we can, by trying to stay the way we are, by trying to hold on to the things we love. And 
Jesus is saying here, there is a principle that you must catch if you were ever going to learn about greatness. He's saying you have gone as far as you can go in the current form that you are in. You have been bumping up against boundaries of success in your life. You taste a certain measure of success in your marriage. You taste a certain measure of success in your job. You taste a certain measure of success in any endeavor you come to, but you keep bumping up against these boundaries because you have gone as far as you can go in the current form that you are in. It is only when a seed dies that its form changes and that its full potential is released. Now I know I, I know I look like a farmer. But I'm not a farmer. I had to study farming uh, and the way crops are to, to learn about this message. And I found something incredible through this message. That a farmer plants two bushels of seeds and it yields 50 bushels of crops. Two bushels of seed yields 50 bushels of crops. See, what that teaches you right here is when Jesus talks about a seed has to die. Remember when I told you that you are the seed? I am the seed. In order for the seed to unleash its potential for exponential growth, it has to die and go into the ground. If you're ever going to see that greatness unleashed in your life, you have to die to the things that you have been trying so desperately to hold on to. Somebody say, let go. You got to let go. Your potential is wasted when you refuse to lay your life down. You hear me preach Psalm chapter 1 all the time because I love it. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. See, this is a person who knows how to lay their life down. Listen what Jesus, what, what, what Psalm says about this. David says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. It's saying that when your heart is fixed on the things of God and you're willing to lay down your way, to lay down your life, it's like being a tree planted by rivers of living water and you're fruitful in everything you do. Somebody say everything you do. You might say, oh, well, I, I make a million dollars a year. That don't mean you're fruitful in everything you do. You might make a million dollars a year, but your kids don't love you. You might be successful and have more you know, Facebook friends and Instagram followers than anyone in the world, but if your wife won't talk to you, What is it worth? This says people whose heart is on the th are on the things of God, meditating on those things day and night, who have planted their life in the things of God, who have given their desires away for the purpose of God. It is uncomfortable to give your life away. Oh, for a fact, dying is not easy. Dying every day is not easy. And there are people here today, you say, well, what does that mean practically? You're talking about dying. What does that mean practically? I don't know. Some people might be here today and might be like, I just, I, I can't give up sleeping with my girlfriend. 
I'm not saying, you know, this is not a conversation of can you get to heaven if you make this mistake or you make that. But there's some people that may say, I just can't do it. Well, I just got news for you. If you can't do that, then you're not dying. If you can't do that, if you can't give up the things in your life that you're trying so desperately to hold on to. If you say, well, well, I can't quit, you know, texting this person and I'm not, I'm, I'm married, but I'm texting this other person. It just makes me feel good. Well, if you can't quit doing that then you're not willing to die and to lay down your personal preferences for the cause of the kingdom of God. If you can't quit flicking people off when they cut you off on the turnpike. Somebody say real talk. Or or if you can't quit talking rude to anyone who says something to you that you don't like, no one disrespects me. Is that Christ-like? Did, did Jesus ever do that once? Can you imagine that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. He never even did that. Are, are you following me here? And what it means to lay your life down, it means all the things that you wish you could do, that you just naturally want to do, you lay them down every day. And for, for, for everyone, it's different. It's different for, for all people. There are things and, and proclivities and, and preferences that all of us have on areas of sin that we struggle with. Your area of sin that you struggle with, that you want to do so bad, might be an area that I'm not affected by at all. I might have an area that I struggle with that you go, that's not even a problem for me. So whatever it is in your life that is so difficult for you to lay down, you're seeing how hard it is to die and to trade your life for the cause of the kingdom. But I will tell you this, if you're unable to lay down that thing because it's too important to you, you will never understand the potential of greatness that you have by laying your life down for the cause of the kingdom of Christ. But you know, this whole message is based on this scripture about seed, unless the seed dies and is planted in the ground. See, this is about your life, a seed that gets planted in the ground. And when it gets planted, you bury it with soil and it's watered. Now, can I just tell you, that's not a super appealing Message, and that who's like, yay, I get buried. That's not, that doesn't sound real fun. And, and being planted is not always exciting. Why? Because growth is gradual. I will tell you that spiritual growth is also inevitable. That if you plant yourself, you will grow. But it's a gradual process. You don't feel yourself growing. When's the last time you had a conversation with someone being like, hey, how's the kids doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Ah, ah, hold on, I'm growing. Ah! No one does that. <laughs> because, because growth is, is a gradual process. And when you are planted, there are times that you don't even realize you're growing. It's a very slow process. And it may fool a lot of people around you who don't see what's going on in your life. They may think your life is very stale because they don't see anything that they can recognize. 
Becky, it seems like nothing's going on in your life lately. I notice you never post on Facebook anymore. You know what? I wish Becky would just step right up and say what she knows is in her heart. Oh, well, don't worry about me. I'm more than okay because I'm planted. I have laid my life down for the cause of Jesus. Don't be fooled by what you can't see because something is going on underground and I can feel it right now. I can feel something changing. I am moving from one form to another. I am being transformed because this seed has died and has been planted in the ground and you better believe me, darling, since you asked more is going to come in the future something is going to sprout out of this ground that you never imagined and all the glory is going to go to God because of it I'm planted you've gone as far as you can go without changing forms it's time to change forms it's time to be transformed it's time to lay our life down as that broken seed and to be planted in the ground Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You may be planted in the house of the Lord for years. Everybody may overlook you, but you're planted in the house of the Lord. You better be sure of yourself that if you're planted, you will flourish in the courts of our God. Never be swept up by what when it comes to being planted. Oh, you know, I don't like the songs they're singing in this church. Let me go try this church for a little bit. I don't like the, that path, this pastor. I just don't like him. He's not funny. I gotta go find somebody that's funnier. He's not, he's not. I don't like the way he preaches. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like anything. I don't like the worship leader. They're not cute enough. They're not smart enough. They're not, you know, no one said hi to me. And his, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Whoever heard of taking a seed that's planted and then going planting it somewhere else and then planting it somewhere else for no, you stay planted in the house of the Lord. That's what causes you to flourish. It says they shall still bear fruit in old age. I never used to like that. Verse, I'm 45 now. Praise the Lord. I want to, I want to bear some fruit in old age. It says they shall be fresh and still flourishing. Nobody likes the dying part. Everyone wants to get to the result of what's gonna happen at the end if you're willing to give your life away. Everyone wants that just like this. See, everybody wants to show up for the Thanksgiving dinner, but what about the preparation? Everybody wants a great paying job, but what about the education? Everybody wants to celebrate the resurrection, but what about the crucifixion? Who is ready to pay the price to get to the glory? Who's willing to pay the price? Jesus already did the work. All we got to do by paying the price is lay it down. We lay it down and we stay planted and he glorifies us. Just as God glorified his son, Christ Jesus. See, to get wine, some grapes are going to have to get crushed. See, to get a muscle to grow and to become stronger you know what you got to do you actually got to tear it a little bit 
when you lift and you put pressure against that muscle, it's ripping that muscle just a little bit. But you know what happens is there's pain involved and there's actually an injury theoretically that's involved. But what happens is it grows back a little bit stronger, a little bit tougher, a little bit harder. That's how your whole life changes is when you're willing to pay that price. For a harvest, a seed has to die. And I got a question for you, and I hope you get this today. I hope you get this today. This whole principle is about you have to die. You have to die to go from where you are to where God wants you to be. You have to die and be put in the ground. Spiritually, you have to die and be put in the ground. Here's the question. If Jesus could not get around this principle, if Jesus could not get around this principle, what makes us think that we can? What makes us think that we can fast track our lives to glory? What makes us think that we can circumnavigate God's plan of raising people up? Here's what I say today. Get broken right now. Get broke. Stop resisting. Stop trying to hold on to everything. Just say, ah, forget it. I'm just going to get <laughs> You know what? I'm tired of trying to hold on to all this stuff. I can't do it anyways. I give, I give you everything, Jesus. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my preferences. I give you my worldview. I give you my intellect. I give you what I know. I give you what I don't know. I give you everything. Because I want to be that broken seed that when my life is put into the ground, that miraculous crop and that miraculous harvest comes from my life being put in the ground. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Somebody put your hand on your heart and say, many seeds will come from my life. Come on, say it again. Say, many seeds will come from my life. This is about a grain of wheat. If you, if you crush up the wheat, what do you end up getting? You end up getting flour. And what do you make with flour? That's right. Pan. Me gusta pan. Amen. So this is talking about just a little grain, a little grain of wheat produces this massive crop and see Jesus was like that kernel of seed but in John chapter 6 verse 35 he says I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never grow hungry he laid his life down and that gift that seed became so great now whoever spiritually is hungry that has ever lived in the past or present can find fulfillment in Lay your life down for the cause of Jesus. Guys, listen. I mean lay it down. If it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. It's, it's, like, it's like working out. You're like, hey, this is fantastic. This doesn't hurt at all. You're not doing it right. You're not lifting enough or you're not... I mean, you're like, running is perfect. I never breathe heavy. Run further. Run faster. You have to find that spot. When, when, when you start feeling like, man, do I really want to do this? That's when, it, that's when you're, you're doing it right. 
when it starts infringing upon the things that you really love, that's when you know you're doing it right. You gotta, you're gonna feel it. Lay your life down. Jesus sees that greatness in you. So you're gonna do even greater things than I did. If you're not living that way, then unleash your greatness today. Un, you, you've gone as far as you can go without laying your life down. You've gone as far as you can go without transforming, without moving from one form to the other. So move to that next form. Imagine, imagine what life could look like. You'll never unleash your potential by holding on to your life as it is, but you will change the world when you lay your life down. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.